0: You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Taneya and Priya.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of Girls on the Grid. My name is Priya and I'm here with Tanea. Hey guys. 10 episodes. We made it. Dude. How does it feel? I don't believe it. Me neither. I'm really happy that we actually were consistent and we stayed, we kept going with the episode a week because I was thinking for a while I don't know how that's going to go down just with our lifestyles.
0: I was rather rather like committed to the fact that this wasn't that we weren't going to make it to 10 episodes for one and for two that the fact that it would be 10 episodes in 10 weeks.
1: When you think of it like that for people who
0: know us it's rather impressive because Yeah,
1: especially, but we also, did you you
0: realize, we also launched it at the start of the season when we are the most busiest. Yeah, I know. You know, we could have have logged 20 episodes over the off-season, or maybe not that many. We could have logged the first 10 episodes over the off-season when we were doing nothing. But no, how about we launch it, like, the week before racing starts again? It seemed like a good idea. It was not a good idea. It
1: seemed like it. I feel like it was because we we talked about it for so long doing it and then it was kind of all right let's just film an episode next week and that was it it just kicked off here we are 10 weeks later 10 weeks 10 episodes later 10 awesome guests later
0: plus all the guests we did in our break the bias episode
1: yeah we
0: spoke to so many women
1: how cool is it's that it's awesome and now look at today and i we are just we are absolute pros
0: i would not go that far you would love to see how much editing it takes to
1: get us to sit somewhat reasonable yeah
0: it's like a three and a half hour process like just cutting out all Priya's dribble oh
1: shut up it we're getting there okay every episode I listen to I just take take away all these things from it like okay you need to stop saying like I just said like about five times then sorry
0: the good bit about being the editor of the podcast is I can clean myself up in post and get rid of but not me Sometimes. I do it sometimes. It depends on how busy I am. If an episode goes out at 6am and it's 5.59 when I'm editing, ready to upload, yeah, look, there's there's no likes being removed. We're just going to be absolute fools. If I've got an episode ready to go out a couple of days before, then usually I'll um have a bit of a deep dive and, and go digging.
1: <laughs> go digging all the bits, the good You know what? If someone has a problem with me saying like too much, that's, that's on you because... I'm, like, a Gen Z-like person, you know? So, like, I say like a lot. This is making me want to punch you in the face. (laughs) So, Taneya, today's guest, I think we might have a big fangirl moment. Our inner child is going to be absolutely freaking out right now. Why is that?
0: When I first met said guest in person, I had this kind of moment where I felt like I was five again. And it was... uh, was rather strange, but also, based on how we're reacting now, I think you guys will be able to guess
1: who it is. Probably from the title of the episode as well.
0: Oh, shut up. (laughs) Don't ruin it. It's our favourite member of High Five, and you know how many women in motorsport are in High Five, right? So, without further ado... Shall we say without further without Further ado, further ado not further ado. ado.
1: What the hell?
0: Sorry, don't put that in. <laughs> I'm so gonna <laughs> put that in. <laughs> without further ado, our guest for episode 10 of Girls on the Grid is the one, the only, Charlie Robinson. Charlie Robinson, welcome to the Girls on the Grid podcast
2: nice to be a part of this I absolutely love you girls this podcast rocks seriously
0: thank you thank you it's been so much fun so far you're episode 10 like me and Priya can't believe it we've done it for 10 weeks in a row
2: exactly well here's to 10th anniversary and here's to 10 10 10s more (laughs) yes how do you word that properly
0: (laughs) Priya what have we done to ourselves I love this I
1: love
2: it
0: I love this too Alright, we're going to dive right into the deep end. We've got so much to cover in this episode, like, yeah, it's going to be one hell of an episode, so buckle your ears in and let's go.
2: Buckle your ears What was that? <laughs> I love that. We keep just coming out with these, <laughs> these things and I, I don't know where we get it. Buckle your ears in, that's going to stick for me, every radio bit I do now. Yes,
0: <laughs> please. Okay, cool. No, seriously, seriously. Charlie you've been around for a long time and as a 1998 model we're gonna get into the whole high five thing like I love that we're gonna dive deep because you were a big part of my childhood but
2: not yet oh you've got good parents I'm so glad you've had a good upbringing then not yet we're a motorsport podcast we
0: need to dive into the motorsport first so in 2021 we saw you land potentially maybe your dream gig that is me just assuming as a reporter, pit reporter, and all the other things that you did are for supercars. But this year, we won't see you. Give us a little bit of an insight as to why that
2: is. Um, okay, my dream, um, Like, let's clarify just quickly. I love supercars so much. It's how I was brought up. It's how I was raised. And having access to the pits is potentially the biggest dream. Like my inner child who sat on hell corner as a like five-year-old with my family was screaming at every round. So you can't get much better than that. Um, So working with supercars in any way, like I have been doing it for years just so you know, like on and off little bits and interviews and more like those little pieces about where you are in the town. I remember doing one of those in like 2016 and 2017. I did lots of driver interviews, things like that. So I had been doing lots with them. That pit lane role, however, probably I wouldn't have ever said that's my dream role um, just because I think I talk too much. And that role is one question in and you've got to step back. It's just your hand and then stepping back. I talk way too much for that sort of a role. Like I was constantly, I'd have so much more to say, (laughs) but that's not the role. (laughs) So I would say working with supercars is and was a dream. Like it's just incredible, but, um, I miss my babies too much. I started back when, like, to be very honest, I was asked to do that role a few years ago. Um, and then I, but I was pregnant with Kensington and I just couldn't do it. And then I got pregnant again, straight away. <laughs> like, what was I thinking? Um, no, it's amazing. Wouldn't change it for the world. Um, but I just kept popping out the babies. So it was very lovely of them to ask a while back. Couldn't do it. Went back when Theodora was only four months old, so I was still breastfeeding at Bathurst. I was pumping in the corner of the broadcast area and racing back and doing all the stuff with milk. So I certainly tried my hardest. It was too hard to leave them, and I knew that two rounds in. I felt like a really... I just, my heart was breaking. And it's funny because I toured with High 5 for 10 years, never was home. I tour with Getaway every year, except 2021, because we were grounded through the pandemic in 20 and 2021. Um, so it shocked me. It's probably, and I've never said this out loud, because I am so passionate about supercars, like I would forget to invoice them. I don't. I see that as a passion thing that I did, and I've probably felt guilty for doing it because it was something that I love so much. I was getting paid to sit there and watch races. like It didn't feel like I should have left my baby. So I know I'm talking too much, but maybe any mums out there might relate as well that there's this, I just, yeah, they've got to be a little bit older for me to be leaving every two weekends, and um, I loved every second of it. Oh my God. I cannot, because I'm talking to two girls here that love motorsport. My God, I'm in the pits. I've got cars rolling out. I've got, my God, all my favorite noises are happening around me of the cars. It's like heaven on a stick for me, that place. And I could not tell you, I loved everyone I worked with. I think the production crew are amazing. I had some incredible people I was with. So um, although the role I think wasn't like my dream role, cause it's like one question you have to shut up. Um, if I was being very honest with you, being in that environment is like heaven. So there you have it. But yes, I will still do things with them. Like absolutely love supercars to death, but I cannot leave my babies every two weeks.
1: So we're three rounds into the 2022 season now and you're at home, not in the pit lane how much are you missing it
2: um i do i tell you a lie or I tell you the truth because <laughs> <laughs> because i'm not missing a moment of the action just like i never have like i'm always there um so i don't miss packing my bags and going i'm watching every second of it and i never have missed it as a kid um but Now it's got a new element, too, because Liam, my partner, is racing in the Carrera Cup, which starts, obviously, the Grand Prix coming up. He's also doing the um, GT rounds, so I've been really focused on all that sort of stuff as well. So I feel like, um, like you girls, racing is a part of your everyday conversation. I'm constantly talking about rules and regulations and tyres and what do we got, and it's just over breakfast, lunch and dinner. So... How can you miss something that you're absorbed with so totally? You're still getting your fix out of it. Oh, I'm getting I'm getting major major fixes between Liam and myself, but. Um you know what to be very honest with you the only thing I'll miss is that gorgeous white jumpsuit that you put on this the race suit um that was probably I know I Garth Tander used to get like and Chad were laughing hysterically because I would ask to put that on even when it wasn't a fueling race I'd be like why don't we just wear the race suits and they're like we're so (laughs) over these race suits they're so hot and I'm like no 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 let's just wear them and I think even once there was like It was in the Super 2 and 3 were out there and they weren't even refueling and I wore it out there because I just loved it so much. And even Larco's like, oh, my God, let me take a selfie with you because this is just hilarious that you just need to put this race suit on. So I think it was that sort of – if I brought anything to the team, it was certainly like fresh meat, like so excited by everything. And as Garth said, like I kept reminding him what it's like to be a super fan, like someone that just finds everything exciting because that was me. I was like a – So I I miss the suit. Maybe I'll have to get Liam to bring one back from the track so I can just wear
0: it around the house. (laughs) You can put your kids in, in like little onesie suits and then you can wear your big onesie suit and you guys will just have like a sleepover or something.
2: Sure, for sure. But look, my boss did come to Bathurst and my getaway boss, and offered me a really big dream role with getaway this year Um, a big trip that i wanted to do so i couldn't say no to that as well so i will not lie to you girls i'm still traveling with getaway but um that yeah that's um it's a dream role too what's a gal to do when you've got a first world problem here of loving two jobs (laughs) first world problems yeah
0: yeah priya and i live in the world of first world problems really like anyone who listens to this pod, we just whinge and bitch about how busy we are. and then we're. Just- I
1: was complaining on the weekend that I was having to travel. To, I was traveling too much. And then, I, and then I think, what are you doing? People don't get to do that.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
0: I whinge about how many racetracks I have to go to. And I'm like, Tanea, 16-year-old you would like, yeah. her brain would explode yeah. at what you get to do for a daily. So just shut up. <laughs>
2: Totally, totally. We
1: take it for granted. You can't help it though.
0: Tell us a little bit about what it's like to travel for getaway probably oh. the pole opposite role in in supercars land we...
2: much more relaxing i'm sure you know what to be really honest with you part of what i loved working my favorite parts of filming with um supercars were like my getaway segments we all called them which is you know doing the scenic parts of bathurst and taking a driver with you and like going horse riding with james courtney around bathurst or um checking out the local museum there that we did a lot and finding out the history of places. They were parts that I filmed for supercars in 2021. And that's pretty much like what's it like working for getaway and those bits. Oh my God. I just loved because then you're at the racetrack and you're doing like lots of filming and exploring and meeting people. Cause I love to meet and hear people's stories. And I think that's why that type of thing suits me a lot. Um, Uh, being on the microphone traveling with getaway though just to give you an insight is not always what you think so i've been filming some incredible places an example was singapore this luxurious hotel looking over the city with the, you know, like lap pools everywhere. And then I go back to Little India in a dodgy motel. So you don't always get to stay where you are or they film you with a massage and they throw a frangipani in your hair and they start to massage you. And then they go, cut, we've got it. And you think, oh, I've just got like one stroke and you're out. Um So, it's and it takes a lot of patience and a lot of travel, but they always choose crew, that they have the most incredible crew that are patient. You know what? And that's what it takes to be in production. You can't have someone that is gonna be looking at their clock, and this pretty much goes with any job that relates to filming. If you're gonna be looking at your watch and your phone all the time checking how long this is gonna take, that job of filming and being on camera is not for you. Because any role on camera takes so long um every element has to be perfect so in pre-recorded television patience is the virtue (laughs) there's a tip if anyone wants to get into getaway (laughs) i was gonna say
1: that's what i think that's what i think when i see getaway or hear about you being on getaway you think of all the the good stuff all the nice stuff but it's not it's not like that at all isn't it
2: usually my wine's not even real and the food's cold but I don't want to break all the bubble for you um because you know what I'm doing again I'm talking about first world problems how incredible that I get to go and do these things so you know you get to go to Fiji you get to go to Paris for god's sake this year like these sorts of things are just so incredible I don't care if I'm sleeping not in the place that we're filming or you're having a dodgy cold meal I'm in Paris people (laughs) And I never let myself forget that since because I've been doing I did my first getaway segment when I was like maybe 20. So I never let myself um, forget how lucky I am because it is, I think, most people's dream job to be paid to travel.
1: So going back to motorsport, would you say that it's the end of your reporting broadcasting chapter within the sport?
2: Oh, I'd never say never just because um, you just went I'd never say never because I just have done so many little things for supercars over the years and, um, I mean, it works. Like I'm a mad passionate fan with a TV background so um, there's not really much else required like (laughs) for the, like doing stuff for them as far as, honestly, I just, I love the sport. I know it sounds ridiculous. To me, it's the best sport in the world. Um, That's how I feel about it. So, never say never. Like in the future, if they called and my girls were a little bit older and they needed someone on the microphone, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Um, just because I love it. But as I explained, I never really saw it as a, um, like a job. Job to me, that's a passion project. Like that's something you do that you're passionate about. Um, I wonder if the shine wears off after years and years. Like when I when Garth Tander and I were talking about it, you know I. I guess he's been doing it for so many years as well. But for me, I can't imagine ever getting sick of hearing a rattle gun. Like for me, that electrifies my body and starts up my soul, hearing a rattle gun. Um, So, oh, God, look, yeah, I probably would in the future if they called. I'd love to, um, as I said, those pieces about where you are and interviewing drivers. I love Um, the pit lane role is very hard for me, though, to just have one question and then not even be on camera like hold your hand out and just not talk again um and hopefully by that stage we reach a point where social media has calmed their farm and they realize that women even if they've been in children's television do know what the hell they're talking about with motorsport but i will um never say never with people growing brain cells so we'll just leave that one there shall we
1: (laughs)
0: Worry, we are going to ask you about your thoughts <laughs> on uh, a little bit of the, what's the word, uh, me also trying to be sensitive, dumb wittery yeah. <laughs> that goes on in the Supercars comments. So. Let's rewind. Growing up, your family were super passionate race fans, and you've touched on this a little bit already. And you'd go to Bathurst, you'd sit at Hell Corner, and you would just watch it as a fan, like, a lot of women in motorsport, like how do you really end up in motorsport unless you're a fan as a chick? Like it's not like it's really something that just comes up one day sort of thing. You've really got to work for it. So tell us about your earliest memories of motorsport and what is it that just got you so hooked? I think
2: I would say Bathurst is what did it just purely for the race itself. I mean like the Bathurst 1000, I was raised to have that. That was like our Christmas day. Um, so even as a really small baby, we would have flags up. My parents would hire a big TV or a projector. Um, people from all around the streets in the town would come and watch. You had to have your holding the your Ford flag out the front. Um, Dad was allowed to have a beer at 9am that day only of the year. So for me as a child, I knew these sorts of things about the race before I could even understand what a car race was. I just knew it meant a big event. I had merchandise all over me, even though I, as a baby, even though I didn't know what I was wearing. So when you're raised like that, plus my dad was a rally car driver, like a lot of people don't know that as well. So, and he still to this day takes apart engines and puts them back together. So when you're raised just watching all of the mechanics happen day in, day out, you just know these things. And yeah, you are like, you're raised with that passion. My dad took us to Bathurst. I've said this many times. And he told us to close our eyes and feel the engines in our soul. And from that moment, my sister and I were hooked. Um, it's the the roar of those engines does something to us. And I think, yeah, I'm doing my best to raise my babies like that because I I do think motorsport is such an incredible sport. It takes so much skill um, to be able to race these cars, but there's something so electrifying and passionate as a fan as well. So I'm raising two little rev heads to be raised the same way I was. So having that motorsport
1: background and growing up and being there at the mountain and, and watching it, You've touched on this earlier. Was it quite a surreal feeling for you when you started presenting for the supercars?
2: Yeah, I remember doing um, one like, gosh, it was so, I think I was pregnant actually and I got to cover the, because this was years ago for them. Um, so it would have been 2018, I think. Um, and I was doing the, uh, the parade as all the transporters arrived in the main street of Bathurst and I was doing all that um, for supercars. And even that moment will never leave me. Here I am holding a supercar's microphone talking about the transporters arriving, which is something as a kid I'd scream out to. Um, I remember even um, when I was in high five, we got to carry the, was it the Olympic flame maybe? Um, And Peter Brock gave that to us. Like there was these moments that all happened in Bathurst. So I feel like every... Poignant moment in my life that's happened around the mountain oh my god and then I bloody got engaged there like Liam proposed on the dummy grid right before he raced um in when 2019 maybe um so that was really exciting as well
0: we talk about that because I was right but like I was oh my god. I'm in the footage of that filming because Liam G'd me up beforehand he's like, can you make sure you're here? Cause I was filming for War Racing Aww. in Career Cup and he texts me and he goes, can you please like make sure you're at the dummy grid before this race? So I was like, yeah, no dramas. And then I was like,
2: Oh my God. That was what I was thinking. Oh, I thought I was there to talk about partners in motorsport or something. So it was just the biggest shock of my life. So as I say, I feel like all these really important moments and life changing moments happen at the mountains. It's a very special place.
0: Now you need to get married on Skyline.
2: Oh, I've talked about that a lot. Like, where would we do it? Could we do it in Bathurst? There's so many nice places. But the pandemic hit, you know, like around the time of the conversation. Yeah. So now it's just. And then I went and had another baby. So it's like all of that's on the back burner. <laughs> it's fine.
0: To be like McPhelimie Park or yeah. something
2: like
0: that. <laughs> or in the, no, it's got to be on the top of the mountain. It can't be like at the bottom. What's at the bottom? <laughs>
2: Hope guys are listening that will propose to you, don't do it at the bottom of the mountain. There's your warning.
0: (laughs) Tell Liam. You should have been like, No, look, you need to take this back. This needs to happen at McFilamy. Yeah, no,
2: thank God he won his race afterwards, by the way. That was a huge moment. If he had lost and he'd just gotten engaged to me, that would have been terrible um like or something yeah like i'd do be terrible like. but thank god and then i remember on the commentary i think it, one of the uh, was it um krause or maybe chad was saying he needs to get engaged every day if he's going to race this well and i was like yes that's what we need to hear it's a proposal every day yep. thing.
0: <laughs> it's like 23 corners like how many corners are about 23 18 i don't know lots of corners about this no. so i'm such a racer yeah. but they can just have one at every corner exactly proposal every
2: i love that i love that <laughs> You guys have to move to Bathurst now. I know. I Actually, if you watch that recording back, I continually say, I love Bathurst, I love Bathurst. And I really didn't ever say I love Liam when you listen it back because I did so oh. so many radio oh. stations called me, all these Triple M stations, to talk about the proposal at the Bathurst 1000, blah, 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 blah. blah. And they kept playing back the audio going, did you forget that the man asked you? Because all I kept saying was, I love Bathurst, I love Bathurst, I love Bathurst in all these different voices. Nothing about Liam. So you know,
0: you know that you're actually marrying
2: the mountain. Yeah, there, technically, I thing. think that's what I thought was happening. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, Mount Panorama. <laughs> Let's talk about
0: the biggest thing. Like, there's no like supercars are so small in comparison to this. High five! Yes. Like high five! Oh my god! Sorry, this is me me and Priya are gonna fangirl out so hard like so hard over this for a little bit of context you were you joined high five in 1998 and went through for about
2: 10 years yeah just over yep I
0: was born in 1998
2: good timing
0: I was raised on your high five segment Priya's trying to claim fame that she was born in 01. It's
2: her high five time. It's my high five <laughs> I love you too so much.
1: I am forgetting that you're only three years older than me, tonight. But, yeah, we were talking about that before. It was the peak, um, I think, when you were in high five. Well, when
2: we were growing up, you yeah, were... It was... That's you're our perfect age group, um, which is beautiful because we had children like you guys who were just born and really, you know, grew up with us over those next 10 years. And then we Definitely. had 10-year-olds and even... 15 year olds that were watching it and i was only 17 so you grow up with oh, these great. guys and then you know now the people that were watching me are having babies as well and all this sort of stuff like it's incredible to watch people grow up and then be your age and say they remember it and they loved it
0: high five wiggles and the dooleys, yeah. that was all that i needed in my life
2: oh you are gorgeous the
0: doolies the wiggles and high five just oh what golden day
2: did you say you were only 17 never even flown in a plane i was a country girl from wow. Anime. well i'd always yeah how did this come about just going back a bit well i'd always just done singing dancing and acting like they're my things even as a little kid we found a letter the other day i was only like eight years old and i wrote um i want to sing on stage and dance on tv um like i wrote all these things that were actually going to happen oh and i started win a logie and i got eight of them um so it all worked out just like my letter when i was a kid but I just, um, I won it, I went to a shopping center and did a photo competition with a friend of mine and I actually won an agent through it uh, in Sydney. So we would have to drive three hours for every audition. And you get hundreds of no's while well, I was in high school, but I did lots of little jobs. And then High Five came up when I was just turned 17, um, went for it, it just happened. Like it, I was hoping that, I mean, like mum and dad might see me on TV, imagine that. And the next minute we're travelling the world nine months of every year, selling out Hammersmith Apollo. We sold more tickets than ACDC and Kylie Minogue over there in itself, in that one London um, theatre place. Never really home. Um, Incredible experience and for over 10 years. um, And I tried to leave at the eight year mark and Channel 9 were like, nah, nah. So it was the last two years were probably my favourite because I knew that was my last Tours, I could say goodbye to all the kids as we were going. It was the most incredible, incredible time. Um, and I now only appreciate it as a mum. I've got my three year old and my one year old watching it every day. And my mum sent up all the merchandise. So now they're literally wearing all the clothes. Um, they're sleeping on high five pillows. They've got the sleeping bags. Like we are merched up. So these kids don't realize how retro cool they are. They think everyone knows high five. Um, and thank goodness. I've even started them in like little ballet schools and they still play our music. So thank goodness.
0: Look, I'm jealous of the children because I want that (laughs) merch.
1: Yes!
2: I know, it's really cute. Tanea, did you ever go to the High Five concert? Oh, did I? Oh. I was like a VIP fan. <laughs> yeah. You know though, on my first album, have you heard me say this before? It says oh, what would you have a Yeah, what would you be doing yeah. if you weren't in High Five? And I said Supercars driver. So even to then I was known by everyone as this mad obsessed cars fan. So it's just
0: I just put I just put two and two together. Me at High Five concerts, I would have just been like, Oh my god, look at High Five and now we're on a pod together. Yeah. And now we're interviewing yeah. it. Yeah why my brain just explodes Yes. Oh, five-year-old me does not exist anymore fyi she's dead my inner <laughs> child is
1: screaming right
0: yay <laughs> i'm nerding out so hard so, but that's glad. Anyways, next question
1: so with with all your different roles in television from getaway high five dancing with the stars and then supercars is there any other particular areas that you would like to explore whether that's another sport or something no
2: but you know what you've just made me realize because everyone does forget i did this show called cruise mode on channel 10 with um shannon noll and do you know it was all about cars oh. so the whole we did um like maybe two or three series maybe just two series of cruise mode um the whole entire thing was about cars we even interviewed supercar drivers we went around um and it's funny it shows how little people watch channel 10 that no one saw it <laughs>
1: See, I didn't, I didn't realise you still you still did a few uh, little car things and, and supercars yeah. things before actually getting yeah. onto that big screen. I yeah. didn't realise that, yeah. No, no,
2: no. It shows that no one really watched um, <laughs> Channel 10. Like, literally, that just proves it to me <laughs> how the ratings were. Um, they went up in the time slot against Getaway, actually, back in those days because I was on both channels at one time. Serious network for it. Um, but, no, I'd say, oh, I've done... I've done animation film. I've done lots of voiceovers. I've done so much singing. By the way, just for anyone out there that wants to do this, my maths teacher said to me, I hope you win a Logie because you've got nothing else going for you. That's how much I was into my my, performing arts. But imagine saying that in front of an entire class. And you know what? I won eight. And I've got a bucket load of arias. Yeah, I've stood there before because I had to go out to the school like as an ambassador. And I was like, I've got a bucket load of Aries. I can't even count them. And I've got like eight Logies. So I said, I did exactly as you told me to do. <laughs> and it oh, feels so good to have the last laugh. So if you're listening to this and you are interested in any kind of TV work, the difference between me and what I see in other girls that do get away or other TV presenters I know, you put up with the no's. You have to get through being told no. Um, and when you do... Don't have thick skin to get through it and go. You know what? No, I know I can do this, or I know I'm good enough for this. They're the ones that just keep going. So it takes so much inner personal strength during those younger years to not give up on yourself when you know that you're passionate about something. And hopefully, someone hears that and can relate.
0: You know what? If they if the door shuts, you just climb through the window.
2: Yeah, totally, totally. Or you go,
0: so you go through the doggy door, or you go, you break in, you do something, but you just. Maybe don't break in. that horrible life. <laughs> God, I get the you. Moral
2: of it. I totally get you. <laughs> Definitely don't break in. No, you were raised on High Five. You can do nothing wrong in my eyes. You're a perfect person.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> I know my mum's listening to this now.
2: <laughs> this is a
0: big moment that's for awesome. me. Janaya, pull it together. On your first High Five album, which I would probably still have somewhere. Sorry, I'm going to stop being a High Five fangirl. Mm-hmm. It did say like we just touched on it said that you want to be a supercar driver mm-hmm. how cool that you're so involved in the sport now and like Liam races mm. insane insane anyway have you ever stepped in a race car or do you ever want to
2: you mean like I'm an awesome passenger I've had some of the best hot laps and everything like that like it's totally their highlights of my life um uh, loved it as far as super like driving becoming a driver is that what you mean because i think i rock in my dreams and i'm not going to wreck that you know what i know my place and i'm killing it in my dreams and that's where i belong i'm also
0: an f1 driver in my dream
2: yeah yeah totally totally lewis has got nothing on us girl exactly and it's all in my dreams i smile too much i'm a really um happy kind of person in that way and when i watch myself back when sometimes you do hot laps and they give you little things to watch back i'm like the lunar park sign like constantly and i just don't think that's the swagger that you need as a driver um to be smiling and giggling the whole time so yeah <laughs> i'll just be a great fun passenger I feel like the
0: sport needs a driver that just smiles and giggles the
2: entire time. Oh, but then they'll see social media and that will beat them out of it. Don't worry. (laughs) That is very, very, very true. So with Liam's racing,
1: is there any way that you try to get involved or or any way that you're able to get involved, whether that's – I mean, I know having grown up around race car drivers that they need a fair bit of management. Do you – do you do anything there just to help him out or is he fairly independent
2: surprisingly for a race car to I think because he's is a really different story I think um because he started so late he didn't start racing till he was 30 and he only went into it for fun he didn't grow up liking car racing like we all did he didn't Ever know how to? We all watched Bathurst that long. He thought that was such a long race. Um, so he loved cars, but he didn't like car racing. And then at 30, someone said, Hey, you know, come and just have a go in this car. We get to race it. And he blew the times off the track that they'd all been doing there as their fun racing. And someone said to him, Just for fun, come for another track day. And again, he kept doing their times off. All these guys that had done karting since they were little. And so eventually, um, you know, he did the radicals, won the championship in his first year, and one thing led to another. So I think, um, oh, by the way, he learned how to overtake by watching VHSs of Bathurst 1000. Like, oh, my God, that's mind-blowing to think of. And now he's got a European championship under his belt and things. So, um. Here's a different story. Maybe because of that mindset, he's exceptionally humble and exceptionally like just down to earth. So when things need to be done, people just call him in will just say, Yep, yeah, because he, in his mind, everybody knows more than him. He's just, you know, going along with it. So I guess there's no precious ego to look after. I don't need to manage it from that point of view or he doesn't do that. So, you know, he's an M driver that races very, very well. So, um Yeah. Now you mention it though, maybe I should get involved a bit more. No, I shouldn't because you know why? When I'm at the track with him and I was known for this even like years back when he started like in GT here in Australia, I get way too emotional and passionate. I'm one of those annoying girlfriends you see in the background that are tapping the engineer, like Teco was our engineer at Walkinshaw. And I'd tap his shoulder going, um, do they realise that we've already done a lap and they've put the safety car out in the wrong spot and like I was getting involved and it, eventually he has to just put the hand up to me like, a, you know, the big Beyonce hand, smack it in my face and just say, just be quiet because I just get, of course he knows what's going on. It's Matthew Nielsen. He knows exactly what's going on. But Charlie thinks she needs to tell him. Um, I'm way too passionate. So I think my job is cheerleader and trying to keep it quiet <laughs> so I don't disturb everyone. And that's the perfect spot for me as a supportive partner.
0: I, I love that. And you did, yeah, you mentioned it. Like Liam is... Unlike any other race car driver mm-hmm. I've ever worked with, even at Shannon's a couple of weeks ago when he won the GT race, I was walking down there just filming filming the thing, and he's just gotten out of the car, and I haven't seen him for maybe like two or so years. He's just gotten out of the car, just pulled his suit down, and he sees me. He gives me a hug and a kiss on the cheek, Aww. and he says to me, you are doing some really cool stuff with videos. Like I see everything you do and like, you've just taken it to another level and you're just doing such really cool stuff. And like, so proud of you, like so good for you. I'm like, bro, didn't you just win a GT race? Are there more things you need to be thinking about than my video career? But like, that just shows the yep. person here. Like I, yep. I was very prepared for him just walk past yep. me. Cause that's what, like his brain is, should be elsewhere, yeah. but no, he's thinking he sees me after he just wins a race and connects the fact that what i'm doing in my life and he feels the need to comment on that at that moment i'm like you're you are a, you're a, just an incredible human being yeah
2: it's really different isn't it it's a really great mindset that he's got and that's beautiful i can't wait to tell him <laughs> oh it was so cool i, I was like, like
0: i was like oh my god then, like you
2: know who i am. And No and he raced so well oh my god when he, he and Chaz together are like a on fire so that would be like an electric combo yeah hopefully that can happen again he's so humble I think even at um
1: Bathurst for the GTs last year we were chasing me and one of the guys I work with we were chasing drivers around after the events and he'd done well and I think I can't remember what happened but we mucked him around a little bit and we dragged him out of the truck and he was just he was so chilled out just Super easy to deal with, yeah. I think He's he won that race. He's he, so he, 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 he did. He yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, Um Yeah, because yeah, some drivers will really get cranky.
0: Like I'm like, I'm just doing my job. Like we're just doing our jobs. We're not here to make your life harder, you know. Like we're just trying to, just like you're trying to do your data or trying to do that. We're just trying to tick our boxes. So there's like, and some they get standoffish. And, oh, yeah. And you can tell that by their energy. So to have someone just understand that. We're just trying to do what we're doing. Like we're not we're not purposely there to annoy you, you know? And
2: it's a shame that the way we're talking about Liam is the minority, because geez, it would be a better world if that was the majority of people. And we'd just have those small people that kind of forget everyone and they're rude.
1: <laughs> be good if more race car drivers were like that. Yeah, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, Priya? Yep. <laughs> wouldn't it be a better
0: place? <laughs> so with your two girls, uh, Kensington and Theodora, Your partner, Liam Racing, what's an average day look like for
2: Charlie Robinson? Here's the thing. Because Liam is very late to the game, um, he finds those one percenters are what keeps him, you know, like you've got to do all those little one percenters to try and beat the people who have been doing it since they were kids. So he does very well at beating them, I must say. Um, But he will train every day. So he'll go for a big, long run like he ran 49 kilometres, you know, no, no, no. Accumulatively, I think it was like the over, the week. Um, I think his longest one lately has been maybe twenty seven k's he did last Saturday, um, and then eighteen k's again. So he he trains hard. So the girls and I know that Daddy's gonna do something, whether it be in the gym, whether it be altitude training one week, or he'll go for a big long run. Um, and we, I always explain to them because Daddy gets in a race car and it gets really hot. And so I guess we um understand that training side of it. Um, as far as the girls go though we go from making them watch the F1 when they wake up early because if we're going to replay a race now that they're back then I'll whip them off to ballet class where I get to live my inner love as well and make them dance we come back you know it's all I think it's a really good balance between the two of us they're at ballet class they're watching F1 they know daddy's racing and for me they know I go traveling with getaway and filming so they also have parents that have to work and have to travel and I think as much as I miss them it is good for them to see parents working and doing things or at least that's what I'm convincing myself when I pack the bag it actually could traumatize a child traumatize a child forever seeing their mother leave all the time but I'm telling myself it's work ethic that I'm teaching them and I'm sticking to that otherwise I'll be drinking uh, lots more wine on the plane as I leave <laughs> to stop myself crying
1: So going back to your presenting role within Supercars, the motorsport fan base, we all know it can be interesting. Uh, There's a lot of passion, but there's a lot of negativity. Did you feel like you faced negativity from the Supercars audience?
2: I also knew what I was getting into. Like um, when I had just had the girls, I was watching a lot of races via Twitter because it would be right when I was breastfeeding, you know, or one of them had fallen asleep. So I had, I couldn't even get to my TV. So I'd be oh my gosh, when you watch a supercars race via Twitter, you see what world you're entering into. The thing, and I remember telling my sister, oh, they've asked me to do this role. And this was a years ago, a couple of years ago. And she's like, you'll never be able to do that. You are way too sensitive. And I, like we see what anyone with a microphone or anyone, even drivers, oh my God, what they face. You see what Chaz has tried to do with the, you know, the stop the online hate and everything. It gets to their heads as well and it shouldn't. And I really feel sorry for people that I write Uh, that I read about and what I see. So with that saying that, spin forward a couple of years, I'm taking on the role that I expect things. Um, I think I probably thought being around the racetrack so much that people would know that I knew what I was talking about. Um, and knew that I love sport. But genuinely, there was a lot of people that even would come up to me saying, I have no idea what you're doing here. Aren't you in high five? You must have have never even heard of supercars. They literally thought I wouldn't even know what sport I was at. So you can't convince people like that. You can't sit down and tell them your life history. You just have to understand as well that Um, the people that are the keyboard warriors are a very small niche. They're very loud, like uh, as in it's a group. They're very loud, but they're not the majority of people out there. So that's the way, even I'm saying this for kids that are bullied in high school or bullied online in general, it doesn't represent what everyone's thinking. And a lot of drivers who I spoke to about this said that they can get hundreds of people saying congratulations after a race. They'll get one of those haters that talks about how much they hate them or what they did wrong or how they took someone out or blah, 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 blah. And that's what they'll focus on. And that can actually affect them going into the next race. Now, isn't that a sad situation? And because I was so aware of that and I've spoken to so many people, I was never going to let it down. I actually really feel sorry for them. And I really think that um, in my whole career, I I am a smiley person. I am... A happy person, and I know that irritates people as well. So I don't give a shit that I irritate them because I smile a lot because I'd rather be that person. I'd rather be irritating you because I know that problem then is with you that you're so upset that you can't believe someone's smiling all the time at a racetrack. Um, And, you know, I don't know. I just, I've seen what they've said about everyone else, so I was expecting it.
0: I think the biggest, like, the biggest thing is those people that are loud those those keyboard warriors if you will they're just like they're just probably envious just jealous really and they're so loud because i don't know like it's all on them it's, yeah. it's probably it's got nothing to do with the drivers are doing because there's people out there who can just congratulate or just make a comment and you can you can critique in a way that's not criticism you can critique in a way like oh maybe that wasn't the right thing to do but when you read comments where they critique and like i managed mark went on a social for like five or six years and the things that i saw i read them and deleted them so he didn't have to see them
2: yeah you you would yeah
0: because when his family is getting targeted or when like people are getting yeah. as far as being told to kill themselves yeah it's really sad because they breaked late or locked a brake and hit someone
2: yeah now that's just stupid doesn't that just even that whole sentence is ridiculous i think from my point of view what um i don't want my girls growing up in that sort of a world i think it's got to turn at some point these people are usually old and ugly anyway they will die off soon and they will the <laughs> new i swear the new generation is a lot more aware of people and um the emotions and so it will turn the tide will turn Um, these people have never been listened to in their whole lives and they have a keyboard now and you know what some people reply to bullies so for the first time they've got interaction with these drivers or these people on tv because they're biting back so you think oh man i'm getting off on this i'm just going to type more you know like it just it's it's a sick world so i feel really, really sorry for them in it um can i also just say though i don't think people understand from the tv pit lane perspective do you know, we're told what to do. And sometimes, like I was told what to say. Um, so, and you told when to cut someone off and leave. And I think some of the comments I saw were always things that were my directive. <laughs> so I don't think they understand that, um, no, no, I didn't choose to go to that person or I didn't even, you know, want to do this or that. So you can't, you just have to you just have to, honestly, I my way is I feel really sorry for them because if you've got the time and energy to take to a keyboard about that, um, I feel really sorry for you. But I also have to say I've been watching it in supercars for years so I did know what I was coming into.
0: And, yeah, it unfortunately is part of the job, whether you're a driver or a presenter. If you're a public figure. Yeah. It, it comes with the territory. And that's probably, like, I find that a lot of people who make it in the sport or make it in like athletes and stuff, they have thick skin.
2: Yeah.
0: And you have to because it just kind of it it comes with it, you know, it's just one of those things. And if you dream big and you achieve those dreams, people don't like it. Yeah. And it's just it's part and parcel of not success, but part and parcel of working hard for something and receiving it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think, you know, from when I started, um, like in supercars as well they always said to me um which I totally agreed with don't speak about anything technical because people don't want to hear it from you so I really really took that to heart and tried to just as they said keep it more about just how the drivers are feeling but I think from a fan perspective they then took that as in she doesn't know what she's talking about she doesn't know about the cars because I was only asking about how the drivers were I was never talking about so I think um I we gave credit we gave people credit for brains that weren't there, a lot of the people. Um, we thought we could lead them into it, That she does know what she's talking about, otherwise she wouldn't be here. But let's not, like, I don't wanna start talking, you know, you've got Garth, you've got all these ex-drivers there, you've got Larco. you don't need another person talking about tire degradation or I'm gonna do my head in as a fan at home anyway. So I was another, like, um, another take on that with the line of questioning that I'd go for but people took that and ran with it that I mustn't know about tire degradation. So you can't please everyone. You've got to please yourself. And at the end of the day, yes, they are jealous. You're standing there in pit lane. You're standing there with the drivers that they love and suck shit. I've loved this sport my whole life. And I swear to God, I know more than most of those people anyway about the sport. So I really don't care. My life's too good to give a shit about any of them.
0: Yes, girl, we love that.
1: (laughs) But it's that, I think Tanara and I, We've touched on this a few times. It's just that background thing. People don't hear about it. It's, they see on social media, you know, you post, obviously people try to post about the, the good stuff or, and like you said, people are keyboard warriors and they tend to focus on the negative things. But even things like you actually have someone in your ear telling you what to do. It's not, it's not
2: always based on your decision, but they're going to judge you directly for that. Particularly when you've got to cut them off. You've got to say, like they'll be saying, pre, it's like wrap her up, wrap her up. So you have to cut in on a really good sentence. And you were saying, and like I just did then and cut you off, you come across as so bad. And they will pick on you more because you're the new girl. <laughs> but you were told literally, because there's something happening on track, cut pre off quickly, go to that. Or, um, yeah, and that's, it, yeah, you get it. That's exactly what's happening behind the scenes. It's terrible. Or after they've, you know, they've crashed out. And of course, my producers like go and see how they're feeling go and get them make them speak and you know they don't want to and and then that's all on you yeah and the fans are like oh she just shoved a microphone in his mouth and he obviously doesn't want to talk to her and it's like yeah well that's my job mate mm-hmm.
0: hey you gotta you've got to make a story though like it's television
2: yeah. at the
0: end of the day but you know
2: what some people i have to give shout outs to were so incredible with that um Charlie Sworkoff, team 18 incredible you want advice you go to him he was there so many times when i've had questions about this sort of stuff um always there you know there's so many people that i could shout out to that were always helpful in those moments um and they're the people i'd rather highlight people that actually helped you and were always there for you than these people we're talking about that are really hard some of the drivers are amazing even when you're asking them for advice with bullies
0: they're pros, definitely.
2: They are. They are.
0: Like we've said, it's such an intense sport at times. Like when someone's just had a huge shunt and you, like you're being told, like go talk to them. They just the last thing they want to do is talk to television. There's big things going on and stuff like that. It's intense. It's hectic. It's fast paced. It's just a sport that really we all love. What did you find most challenging about your role? as a presenter within within supercars
2: just having to stop talking probably um, that's why i said to you yeah yeah that that role probably wasn't best for me um i yeah there's so much i loved about it. what did i find most challenging um, other than having to talk less and the traveling um let, what if i find most challenging Probably, yeah. I, okay. I'd have to say, probably going to people when they didn't want to talk to you. Um, that's really hard because, and sometimes like their partners get involved as well, and that's really awkward. And because it's coming from your produ- producer, you have to really get in there and you're upsetting everyone, but they keep saying, we need it, go get it. And, um, uh, you know, even coming from being with Liam, I remember once they interviewed him just before they were about to win, and then the co driver went in and wrote off the car and they're about to win the championship. And the reporter was already in the garage and stayed in there and wanted to talk about it. Um, And you know the vibe's not there and you don't wanna talk to them. Um, But you have to because, and especially for supercar drivers, you're paid to do that. That's part of um, access to the fans and that's why you're paid money to be there. So a lot of them get that. Um, But I guess that was really hard for me because it's when I don't want to talk to them and do it to them. So I'd always, yeah, next time I saw them apologise for being there in that moment, I always felt from that perspective. But I was also told never show that you're feeling for them. Like, you know, you've got to be really vanilla about the whole thing. But that was really hard for me as well. I remember Tim Slade, you know, the incident at Bathurst um, earlier in the year for 2021. And, man, I felt for him. And I think I even started it with completely gutted because the day was just the sweetest and then this turned to a nightmare for you. And I remember my producer going, oh, you felt for him way too much. Don't show that much emotion, please. (laughs) Just say tough day at the office and then throw the mic over. But to me at home, I hate when I see people do that because it's not real. Like I guess I found it hard to just um, turn off the realness to say, hey, that was really hard to watch you sitting up the top there, you know, crying. Um, It's really hard not to say that we feel for you watching. So, yeah, I think I found it tough to not show what I really feel. So coming from that motorsport background where you were around
1: the sport at such a young age and you've seen it change a lot over the years, do you think the sport is becoming a more welcoming place for women?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've got to say that I always – thought it was so um I'm probably not your best person to ask that to because I've always felt welcomed and um even I mean I was never allowed up the top of the mountain by my dad put it that way it was just somewhere I knew I wasn't allowed to go because that you know as a kid um but now growing up I find some of the – I think it'll be a real shame if we don't have signs that say take your top top off off for extra points and stuff. Like that to me is part of what we're allowed to be at the top of the mountain. I don't want to see everything go PC. That's from that point of view if you're talking about that. On track, being there from a female driver's point of view, I can't tell you. But I have always been someone that in all industry types, I really do feel we deserve and we should – deserve the role not just because we have a female anatomy so I don't want to see girls um, girls on the grid um, just there because they are females I want them to have talented drivers otherwise we go back 10 steps again we're, the, we're going to be mocked again for girls being on the grid if it's just if we weren't ready to step up into supercars or we weren't ready to do it so it's more of a um, I'm probably more of a quality, for, um, not just for because you're female, you deserve to be somewhere. Um, there's so many support groups coming out for women and so many people to help you on your stepping stones um, in your careers. I think now is the time that we'll see the next generation of female drivers coming through, the next generation of female mechanics, all of this because we probably um, are louder about it and corporations are being picked on more for not having women in the roles. We just need to make sure we're the right woman for that role. Um, and I think that means never rest on your laurels that, well, I'll probably get that job because they need to have girls. They have to have a certain percentage of girls. Um, no, freaking own that. Be the best girl they've ever had doing that. You know, be the best girl on the car. So use it to your advantage if that gets you in your role. But, geez, be ready for it. You know, and let that inspire you. You know, don't make it as a negative or, you know, girls have been behind for so long. Well, no, let's show them what they've been missing because I'm damn good for this role. Maybe that's where I'm coming from.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think the point we need to, like, the sport is currently male dominant. And and driving, like, women driving race cars is, is one area where it's probably a little bit more tricky. But when we look at it, we look at it from women being within the sport so people like yourself who just love the sport and they see it on tv and they want to work out how the heck they can do it and when i was growing up i saw no women doing what i wanted to be doing priya saw no women doing what she wanted to be doing i assume you probably didn't see a whole lot of women when you're watching from the top of the mountain you don't see a whole lot of women on tv presenting you don't see a whole lot of women holding cameras and things like that so i guess i think do you think it's changing what you see versus what you saw as a kid? Like. Yeah. Do you see more women? Like, is the sport becoming more equal? And driving's hard because the best driver should be the best driver. And the mm-hmm. bigger issue around driving is that from a young age, the the pop the the sort of spread of men to women mm-hmm. is less. Mm-hmm. So then, as we go through the ranks, there's less women, and there's less women who can make it. And then women see less women, so they don't think they can do it. And it's it's a whole kind of spiralling thing of driving
2: oh yeah when I was younger I used to see a hell of a lot of women there they were just the grid girls (laughs) <laughs> don't forget exactly. don't forget that's where all the girls were and that's what you that's known exactly for. what I remember if you were a girl you were there in a tight little thing you were a miss supercars competition that's all I grew up knowing that women were doing that's what you saw you saw that women were only there to yeah. hold signs when I was younger
1: I wanted to be a grid girl when I was four or
2: five that's what I thought I could do yeah because that's what you were wanted to do as a woman in motorsport it's incredible that's all you
0: saw you didn't see women holding cameras or microphones exactly or like that. yeah that's
2: it I think I've been around a lot of strong women, two women created high five and they were extremely strong women. And after spending a decade with them, I think it just instilled in me until it became just brainwashed that I do see the power in women straight away. So I have never fallen into the thing of, I can't do this because I'm a woman or, and I've always seen very strong women in their roles. So I had dinner with Martine Walkenshaw years ago, and she was saying a similar thing that she has always led her company, but she does it quietly. And, Everyone, she laughs when they say, like, you know, no female owners and things like that. She's just quietly sitting in the back running walkershaw. Like, it's just these strong women don't need to be loud waving flags above their heads. You know, women get the job done when you're the right woman for the job. So I think um, maybe, you know what, maybe we celebrate them more now so that we're more visible. Maybe that's a way to do it as well. We do talk about the women in motorsport more.
0: Like Leanne, like Leanne Tan oh, earlier, yeah. you can't see it, you can't be it.
2: Absolutely. Leanne is a trailblazer in what she achieved as well. And I don't think it really probably got as much coverage as it probably should have. Like she's one of our best, best. So um, she's someone I to admire too. Yeah. She said
0: in the episode, like, uh, like what would happen? How would it have been? Or where would I have went if I had done it 10 years later? You know, the w- series and with all these things and with all the progressive, with all the progression we've made in the sport, where would have she been able to get to if she had been ten years later? But then you also can't discount everything she did do. Exactly, so it's kind of that catch. Exactly, like you can't discount what impact she had on the sport because she was around at
2: the time that she was around. Yeah, You know, that's kind of... I think anyone now thinking about career, you're in a very good part as far as, don't worry about the past, just think about now. You have access as a woman to anything that you want to do. But be so good at it. So don't let... You've got You to- have to be good at what you want to do. Don't, uh, yeah. And look, but then I'm not someone that hustles. I don't push, you know, like other women out of jobs. And I don't, like as in... There's a lot of women that, you know, you have your own, your, you've got your own skill set, your own talents. There's enough room for many women to be within supercars. There's not just room for one or two there in the video content section or one or two drivers. We can have 10. We can have, you know, there's enough room for so many women. So let's not fight over those roles. Just be the best you can be coming with that skill set and absolutely kill it. Honestly, talent and hard work will get through anywhere because there's so many people who watch their clock, don't give any free time to anyone, don't you know offer support to other women. You will stand out if you're a hard worker and you will achieve what you wanna do if you stick at it. I honestly believe that. There's too many lazy people out there, trust me, you'll beat them.
1: Love it, mic drop. <laughs>
0: And you pretty much answered our last question which we ask all women i'm not sure if you have anything else to add but what's your advice for girls and women who want to get into a similar role as you whether it is just presenting in general or just like i don't know if high five has any relevance to this but just being in the entertainment space how does like i mean it just be the best be the best you can be and work hard but is there any is is there more to that
2: yeah look, look I wouldn't go, I, you know, what I said before really rings true for me within the sport and within working there. But let's keep this one separate as far as if you're interested in doing any sort of performing and things like that where you're really putting yourself out there, you want to be in front of the camera, just don't give up on the nose like I was saying earlier. Accept the nose for jobs that you go for but keep going. Um, have a thick skin. Keep at it. Always keep um. Honing your skills and learning and progressing and hearing negativity, as in hearing what um, people you audition for or hear what they have to say. Take their advice on board. Don't be so sensitive. These days we just hear a bad thing and think, oh, you can't be right. I'm, you know, this, 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 this. No, no, no. Some people are trying to give you good advice. So always take on board what people are saying. Um, I think probably just don't give up. I'm not the best. Like my sister is so much better at singing, so much better at dancing at acting, um, but gee, I was resilient. And so I think that's the difference. You don't have to be the best um, when it comes to presenting or anything. It's, it's about resilience of hanging in there. Don't be afraid and just follow. And it's so cliche to say, follow your dreams. I'd probably prefer to say, follow your passions and just keep at it. Just maybe don't give up as a better option From me. And you know what, a little tip as well. I say yes to everything. So even if I'm not sure I can do something, I always say yes because you just take those opportunities and you deal with it when you get there. So if someone said to you, can you film this or can you record this or can you, like to you girls, you just say yes. Say yes, deal with how you're going to edit it or how you're going to get it working later. Say yes to every single opportunity. And my other advice is don't ask what you're going to be paid straight away. You know be prepared to do some things when you're in the ground up working your way up there stay longer than maybe you're required talk to everyone there don't race off the moment that clock finishes on your job these are the standouts to the people that are are going to advance oh and one more thing it's a really small industry so don't get caught up in the people that want to bitch about other people and that want to take other people down don't burn your bridges we are so small here in australia in the production industry and you hear about it all. So stay above that. Be one of those people that will stay back and have a beer with everyone, but you leave once the conversation hits that or just nod, but just don't get involved. They're my tips (laughs) and you love it. Stick to what you're passionate about and you will always shine and don't stop smiling just because people online might find you irritating. Suck it to them, always keep smiling and shining.
0: And I think you can't lose if you follow your passion. You can't lose.
2: Totally, totally. As I said, Snayer though, you're perfect because you watched High Five. So are you, Priya. You grew up on High Five Girls, so you will make it. Trust me. You've got sparkle that no one else can take. Yep. There's a whole generation. Yep, you can. You were raised on High Five, so you know how to believe in yourself, girls. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Charlie. I just
0: vibe your energy so hard. And I was having a kind of lull, a bit of a lull in it. Like I was having a kind of a shitty day because I'm pretty tired. But you just... just you,
2: brought me back to life. sing to you now
0: <laughs> and you did that for me between the ages of uh, zero and 10 so Aww. uh charlie robinson's still coming through with the good vibes even in 2022
2: exactly tania and priya this is for you l-o-v-e i oh love you and you love me oh l-o-v-e that's the way it's meant to be see there you go girls oh my
1: god i'm gonna cry
2: <laughs> I love talking to you. I cannot wait to keep hearing your podcast and don't stop. We want so many more. Thank you for inspiring us all.
0: Do we have to say anything else, Priya, or can we just go and cry in the corner now? All
2: right, so Tanea,
1: coming off hectic GP weekend, what is your week looking like?
0: Uh, Surprise, surprise. It's another busy one. There's a common theme happening in these podcasts when I recap my week. But this one is a doozy.
1: That today is a mess. Today is a mess and this week's
0: a doozy and it's Monday. So when you're listening to this episode, I'm currently on the Gold Coast. You're always there. Yesterday I was in Melbourne for the Grand Prix, obviously. Today I'm in Gold Coast. I was on a flight early a.m. Monday to the Gold Coast. And then I am back in Melbourne on Tuesday morning. And then Wednesday morning, I fly to Sydney to go to the six hour. So it is three days, three flights should be fun. Is fun the right word I'm supposed to use here? Uh, You know, we'll just, we'll go with fun and and I'll check in with you guys in next week's pod to confirm whether or not it was fun. Whether or not you're still alive or not. You know what? You'll just have to tune into next week's pod just to find out if I'm alive or not. P-Dog, what's on for you?
1: Uh, the pace of my week is a little bit different to yours, Tanea. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. I can't say it's a week off. You never have a week off in motorsport. But um, we got some shoots uh, this week, and then uh, just some editing stuff. Got a busier week. The following week, next week, but I actually get a bit of a weekend off, uh, which. <gasps> I don't, oh my god! I don't.
0: Sorry, I just, I just thought I heard that you said you get a weekend off. Sorry, what is that?
1: I, I cannot remember the last weekend off I had, but I actually...
0: So you're not coming to the six hour? Oh, my God, I'm heartbroken.
1: No, I, I'm going to be uh, sitting at home uh, indulging in chocolate for Easter. Oh, Easter? I
0: know. Oh, I don't do Easter anymore because I'm always at the Bath the six hour.
1: That's it. That's it. But, um, yeah, and I think I got my... My grandma's birthday? You
0: think you got it? Like, did her birthday change? <laughs> I don't know. Are you
1: sure? I forgot what day it's on. That's why I sounded like that. But um actually, it might be on Easter. So, yeah, I'll be hanging out with my grandma and eating chocolate on the weekend. Uh, can't wait. But thank you all for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Charlie. It was great to hear her story. We hope you enjoyed it. We definitely did. And we hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week.
0: Talk to you guys next week.
1: You've just listened to another Network R production.